Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. We're all right, we're good. However, I have been warned the the time structures here are strict. Uh, and I, Paul Goodship <laughs> Paul Goodship rang me earlier just to like, encourage me and whatnot. He did say you can say pretty much anything. Heresies doesn't really matter as long as it's under 30 minutes. So I'm not worried now, do you know what I mean? We're all right. I'm sure Luke's will confirm. Um, and also, if you think we've time-travelled to Christmas morning, we haven't. We're just... As Lucas firmly said, they are just candles, but the traditional bones in my body curled a little bit when we lit all five of them up. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Just thought, I thought, flipping heck. What's going to go, go, see? Flipping, I say, for flipping. Speaking of Anglicans, we are doing three points as well today, so uh, we're here for it. Um, Good evening. Um, There are a few ways that you can approach kind of a sermon and. Generally, people will either take one passage, sort of extrapolate some sort of meaning, and, and, then, and then pull it apart for you. But I, there's also this more systematic approach. And I was, give, I was given the idea of Advent, and, and it's, a big, it's a big boy. It's like a lot of weeks, a lot of scripture involved. So instead of uh, saying every single scripture and pulling it all apart for you, I think we'll just go for like a systematic approach and looking how the theme of Advent runs from Genesis up to the end. And so if you're wondering, oh, why has he not included that? Because if I included them all, we really wouldn't catch the football and I'd get iPads thrown at my head. So, so for the purpose of today, we're just going to look at sort of the general theme of Advent and, and three purposes and lessons that we can kind of learn and shift and allow to guide us um, and through, through the season. So as we can now see, we're in the second week all right, of Advent, for those of you that don't know. And me and uh, my wife have been doing a, a little devotional um, by a guy called Brian Zand. I brought a copy for you all to have a look at, I believe. The next slide has it on there. And he has an introduction to the season of Advent. I just wanted to, to, read, to read that to you um, before we go. Um, Ours is a secular age. The sacred is pushed to the periphery. And to keep the sacred at the center of our lives is a heroic act of defiance. To be a religious person in an irreligious world may be the last act of rebellion. And I advocate for such a rebellion. And I think it's interesting because often we get very carried away with the sort of, well, I'm not religious or I don't want people get offended. But you're right, there are some aspects. We are spiritual. Everyone is, is spiritual in here. But there is an importance for the sacred. And it often is reinforced in us and our religion and us following Christ, the religion that we inherited but also the religion that we hope to carry on. And so we're not talking about the mean, horrible, manipulative style of religion, but the good religion that Jesus came to bring. Um, So with that in mind, let's move on to Advent. And I'm sure, you know, we all have an idea of of what Advent is. The Dellers have a psychotic idea of what Advent is, tearing through multiple Advent calendars at a time. So... I think they do an advent calendar a day, not just a window. So I was horrified and that was revealed to us. So, but, but we all have these ideas. Um, but the purpose and the meaning of advent is, is something that's a bit fluid and has changed and shifted different traditions, different times and different periods in, in history. 
One thing that I've noticed about this particular period of time that we're in is that a church, as a church, Big C, we're really aware of the sort of need to not be involved with the sort of materialism and the sort of um, push for um, greed and excess, which appears to kind of hijack um, and what we know Christmas to be. However, similarly with the sort of religion, not spiritual kind of thing, I think we also struggle sometimes to have a firm grasp on what the practice of the Christmas season um, as an expression of worship and devotion is. And I wanted to bring that sort of as a challenge to us today to reconsider how maybe the general hijacking of Christmas may have infiltrated sort of our space, our hearts, our minds, and allow that to encourage but also challenge it's easy to get swept away with the rush of all the things that secular Christ- Christmas has to offer. And so how can we, just like Brian Zand said, be this people of heroic acts of defiance, um, a rebellious religion that comes against the society, which, which breeds greed and, 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 and all of that, and jealousy as well, especially this time of year. Advent is more than just a nice countdown to Jesus' birthday. We don't really actually know the exact date, the speculation, I'd argue it doesn't even really matter that much. It's about remembering, preparing, and hoping. And so they're kind of the three things I'm going to present. So if you do make notes, they're your headlines. There you go. If you come away with nothing else, that's kind of the main crux of what we're going. So as we wake up and crack open, if you're the Dellers, your second Advent calendar, or if we're your sensible people, the next window of your Advent calendar. <laughs> as we engage, we sip our chai lattes or your eggnogs, which Nick's probably had about a million. Uh, your mulled wines, and as we fellowship and engage in gift-giving, how and when do we let the spiritual practice of Advent and Christmas invade our lives? How do we as the church act out in heroic defiance to the secular hijacking of the Christmas period? First of all, we're going to start by remembering. I, I noted that it's actually only through the act of remembrance that we have any idea of how the Messiah was going to come or what the Messiah would look like. Jesus' birth is only significant in the remembrance of how it was foretold, if that makes sense. People knew what was happening because of what was said. It relied on history and a look back. I looked as well, there are well over 30 passages speaking about remembrance. And like I said, I'm not gonna do them all, that would be hefty. And as a nation, the Israelites needed a lot of reminding. We learned about that in Elijah recently. They're constantly getting talked with the next fad, oh, I need that, I want the new iPhone, I want the, let's remember what God has done for us. Whenever God did something incredible and he came through for his people, the Israelites were encouraged to remember. They would tell stories, they would build monuments. And when times got tough, as we see a lot in the Psalms, which was quite a lot, they used these stories to keep hold of their faith. For centuries, the Holy Scriptures were transmitted and communicated by memory. There wasn't this gift of the Bible. You couldn't just print another one and send it off. It was through the act of remembrance that we even have scriptures today. The story of Jesus didn't begin in the Gospels. It began in the creation narratives of Genesis. And Lucas didn't know that I was going to use John 1, 1. But we see that echoed in, in that passage. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, right? And Jesus is the Word of God, right? So the Bible tells us that Christ has been there since the dawn of time, and Christ's mission and purpose was prophesied and planned in Genesis 3.15. I think I've got it up there. Um, So here we see it's in the midst of a curse, which is really peculiar and really interesting, but that's for a lecture, not now. 
He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And like Lucas said earlier, we've got the final picture. We know what that's talking about. They might not have known, but we can see that is true. That his head has, the devil's head has been crushed and Jesus' heel was struck, but that's not the final thing. And so Jesus wasn't a happy accident or a split-second decision that God just made whimsically. Christ has not only been present in creation, but he's been part of the plan of redemption since it became a requirement. It's been a promise since the fall. We have, and then after that, we've got thousands and thousands of years of God and his people struggling and journeying. But we see this people rose up by God to bring his word to the people, particularly when they needed reminding. I want to focus on Isaiah, prophet of God, poetically exclaiming a continuation of this promise. There's a long way between the creation story in Isaiah, and here we have him saying, look, guys, don't lose sight. It's a long pass for those particular verses. I've highlighted the one where we see the real evidence of this prophecy. For unto us a child has been born, the son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And this is incredible, because it already is subverting what people knew as a, as a king and a ruler. We have a counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. How do we not see Jesus in that? It's beautiful. So it's, these are the, the, the times where we look back and we remember that Jesus isn't just this happy, clappy event, but actually a significant and important prophecy that ran and spans throughout all of history. I'm not sure Isaiah knew, Isaiah knew at the time, but he is pro, pro, foretelling something that needs to be remembered. And it's not even for like, it's not like 10 years later we see this come into fruition, right? It's like approximately 700 years after this prophecy is when we actually see it break through into history. The word which was God and was with God was now with man and became man. And we must intentionally remember to look back, notice the significance of Jesus, not simply as a baby born to die, but as a God promise of redemption and reconciliation that has been expected and anticipated since the very dawn of time itself. And this time of Advent isn't just a time to count down to that birthday party, but an opportunity to be reminded of God's faithfulness. So let's not lose sight of the magnitude in forgetting to remember. It's a bit of a double negative. And as an act of defiant rebellion against a society and a world, constantly looking forward, looking to the next thing, we must be a people that knows how to look back. There's a psalm that I'm going to move to. I think I really hope I put it on there. This is what it means for me in this moment to remember. I will call to the mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all of your work, muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. And with your strong arm, you've redeemed your people the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. What more wonderful a work is there than the birth of Jesus Christ that we look forward to? So even in the Psalms, there's this constant reminder. There is this little word here at the end, right? It's a sailor. I've butchered that because I'm not Hebrew, but no one really knows exactly what it necessarily means. Again, probably doesn't matter that much. The general consensus and my favorite understanding of what this word is, is a time and opportunity within the psalm to pause and remember and listen. And so to make a point that that's there, I would like us now, 
as we've talked about remembrance, to actually consider that only for 30 seconds because the football's on later, so I won't make us do it for too long. But just in the quiet of your heart and the stillness of your heart, remember the significance, the history of what we're actually inheriting at Christmas. Amen. It's interesting that 30 seconds feels so long when nothing's happening. It's like the world's rushing ahead. Another kind of fun thing of like, we just need to rest and remember, right? Especially when it's Christmas. Flipping it. I'm not going to pretend I've not got a million deadlines waiting. I was just like, oh, I'm just resting in the presence of the Lord. Might not get me any grades, but there we go. So we're moving on preparing. It's not just about remembering. We can remember till the cows come home, and it's as beautiful as we can make it. We can't just stay in this place of remembrance because we, we risk like stagnating almost. I was thinking about preparation, something I'm not very good at at all in any circle of life, which is ironic. Um, and so I was thinking about GCSEs because there's mocks happening and things like that. And I've got essays that I've not well prepared for. So, and this man, he looks very well prepared. That is not a picture of me. In my GCSEs, I was kind of just like, oh, it'd be sound. I'll just, you know, rock up. We'll just have a little go. I've learnt the lesson. I was there. They taught me. So if the teachers are good at their job, yeah. then I should have learned, right? That's good logic, isn't it? I'm sure the teacher them about to swing for me. But that's what I felt. I went. I did okay. But people were like, Joel, what if you'd have prepared for the exams? How much, how much more could have been done? So I did note that the outcome sometimes might be the same if we don't prepare. But the experience will be affected somewhat. And I will tell you, the 10 minutes before that exam, the experience was not calm. It was not rest. It was panic. It was, oh, what have we not done? What, what on earth is an atom? You know what I mean? You're panicking. Anyway, so although sometimes we say, well, I was fine. I made it. That's, it the experience of it can be affected even by our non-preparation. Another significant thing about preparing is I was thinking, well, Lottie gave me a great example. Um, Ironically, while I was preparing, I still needed some help. So that's funny, isn't it? Um, talking about getting married, right? And all the women of the room who are married will probably agree you did most of the preparation work there, right? For whatever reason, I'm not going to get into the debate, but there's an importance as well that preparation needs to be done in community as well. It's not always done on our own. If I was left to prepare for our marriage on our own, we'd have still got married, maybe, that you might have... <laughs> I think we'd have still got married. People would have still come. It would have still been a beautiful thing. The word would have been all of that gubbins. But the experience of that marriage would have been very different. We might not have paid for the pictures when they come back. So it's important as well not to just think that we can do it on our own, but actually this preparation needs to be in community. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for Advent, let's bring it in. Let's bring it back. We remember this invasion of God into the human story, but we're also called to use it as a chance to prepare. Just as the Israelites were called to prepare a way for the Lord in Isaiah, and John the Baptist was prophesied as someone who will prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus, sort of echoing this 700-year word, we're also in the life and teachings of Jesus called to prepare, prepare for something that's coming. This preparation 
It's a bit like if it was just me planning a wedding, it would have gone horribly wrong. So we need this community to prepare well. So as a church, as a community in Lim and a wider place in our workplaces, what does it look like to sort of do justice to that prophetic command to prepare? As I was preparing, um, I, would did, I found an article that was really helpful. It's always good when you can borrow someone else's words because that's really good. And then if it's rubbish, you can't blame me. And if it's great, I can you know, take, the, take all the glory. Both Israel and the early church not only waited for the Lord to come, but they also believed that when the Messiah came, something new would happen to them, to their church and to their nation. And we celebrate Christmas year after year, but often it feels like it's the same thing we're going through again and again and again and again. And although this, I will say, this church is incredibly good at trying to get out there and make a difference, and that's actually not very similar anywhere else. I think that's a very significant thing and a very commendable thing that the leadership here are, are sticking to because that is a really holy thing. But actually, in the first place, sometimes we forget to expect things to happen in our community at Christmas time. And we don't sometimes, even you know, if we're honest, sometimes we don't believe necessarily that will happen because we haven't remembered that it, it will, if that makes sense. Um, and and, and even, in even more honesty, sometimes we might not even want to be changed that much because the implications that it might have in our lives we must be prepared for to receive the messiah when he comes and at the time of jesus there were several movements in judaism preparing for this arrival of a messiah um, the pharisees in detailed observance to the law they thought we are preparing for this coming messiah okay the essenes in the desert preparing for the advent by just removing themselves. And we don't want to be a part of this. We've got a new kingdom coming. So let's remove it. Right, that's them. They thought by doing that, they were preparing. The zealots believed by trying to drive out the Romans by force. They were preparing themselves and the nation for the arrival of the Messiah. And all these movements in Judaism in the first century were movements of preparation. Not just sitting and writing and thinking, but proactively an action of preparation. And Advent is a time to prepare those around us for the revelation of Christ, but also to prepare the church and the communities around it for the coming of the kingdom of God. A subversion of the society's expectation of a kingdom. Jesus spent his life and his ministry demonstrating, showing to us what this reign and rule will look like in the kingdom of God. And it didn't start upon his baptism, but was demonstrated even throughout this beautiful story of Christmas and the nativity. Even how he comes in a manger no room, nothing glorious about him. This future king who will reign over all creation humbly comes, right, through a virgin. But just all of it, the whole thing is just a beautiful picture of this sort of subverting, of re-establishing what the kingdom of God is going to be. It's defined by love for neighbor and concern for the poor, not just financially but spiritually. Putting oneself last so that others can be first. And I put a plural there. You know, it's, it's others, not just one person. I've done my good deed for the day. We should be putting people Second, I mean, we should be second to people, right? That's, that's what Christ came to tell us. Radical kindness and generosity. So while we prepare for this historical coming of Christ, let's also be people who prepare for the next coming of Christ, seeking to bring his kingdom to earth. We pray regularly on earth as it is in heaven. And through preparation, the world of, uh, through the preparation, through our preparation, my hope for us is that our world around us would be transformed on earth as it is in heaven at this Christmas time. Last point's very quick. I don't know what time I'm on, but I'm doing okay. No one's asleep. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. Third point. All right. Hoping. 
again, I've just sort of, that image, although it's just plasticine Jesus, it's still a picture of hope and that that kind of, it's a good thing, right? I'm not claiming that is Jesus, but you know, we move. The final thing is only short and sweet, um, so fear not, that's what I'm saying. But the Advent time is not just this time of preparation and it almost feels arduous remembering, preparing, but actually it's a hopeful time of expectation. And at Christmas, we await the Saviour just as they did 2,000 years ago and just as they, have, they were learning about 2,000 years before that. Hope has always been something that underpins the community of God. But hope itself, I did want to know, is somewhat misunderstood today. When we explain hope today, it comes with like this caveat of uncertainty, something you say when you aren't confident enough to claim some sort of certainty of it. You apply for a job, well, I really hope I get the interview. Mm, all right, okay, that's fine. Like me today, I really hope England can, can qualify, and I really, 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 really hope that we can beat France. But it seems that when my, conv- when my conviction of reality decreases, that my language of hope is something that increases. And that's a really weird thing. And that's where hope is powerful, but it's also where we lose sight of the hope that we have. Because our hope is different. This isn't the same kind of hope we speak of when we talk about the hope that we have in Christ. Stole this reference. There's a guy called J.I. Packer. I think he's, he writes books, clearly. And he says some good things in those books. If you've heard of him, great. If you haven't, don't matter. What he says, he summarizes it really beautifully. In a word, hope. It's on the slide as well if you want to skip across, see if you can read it. At least I hope it is. There we go. Nailed it. Hope understood, not in the weak sense of optimistic whistling in the dark, but in the strong sense of certainty about what is coming because God himself has promised it. And that's the difference, isn't it? I'm not, oh, I really, really hope Jesus comes back. I, like, hope and know, and it can build in me that it's a weird thing it's hard to explain in words because sometimes words suck especially english ones at explaining things but this hope we have in christ isn't this hit and hope style maybe it'll be all right it's an awareness of the reality of christ's faithfulness as a certainty and when we look to the nativity we see that evidence it's the evidence of that very thing what they were waiting for 2000 years 700 years five years before it jesus came In the birth of Jesus, we see how faithful God is, and it might take longer than we expect. Lord knows we've been waiting for a while already, and we'll continue to, but it has to be governed by this hope, of this certainty in hope. When Jesus was born, it was a culmination of all the hopes and promises of God to his people. So when we celebrate Jesus' birth, we anticipate and celebrate God's evident faithfulness and assurance of our hope for the future. We see how God does keep his word and will continue to keep his word. So, be encouraged. Not only do we remember a saviour and join in God's preparation plan for the final act of salvation, but we can also be assured in our hope for the future redemption brought to fullness in the final return of Emmanuel, Christ with us. Um, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for just the beautiful picture that you painted in Scripture of your faithfulness and your promises, the promises you made before you even began creating in Christ and the promises you made even in our failures in the fall, the promises you reiterated through the prophecies of your prophets like Isaiah 
and the promises that we remember at this time of year that were fulfilled and further extended through the life and teachings of Jesus. Help us to be a community that remembers all of who you are and how your thread runs through all of history and continues to run through history. Help us be a people that prepare well. Prepare well for remembering, but also prepare well for the coming, the thing that is in the future, the kingdom of God fully established, not just now and not yet, but fully established. Help us to be agents of that at Christmas, Lord, as a community, not just individuals. And Lord, help us to hope. Hope in the midst of hopelessness. It can feel very turbulent at the moment, and hopelessness seems to be just thrown in our faces everywhere. But our hope isn't a hit and hope kind of hope. It isn't a whimsical dream. It's not a a bashful thinking. It's a certainty that we know that is reinforced by your promises, that we can see evident in your word. So help us to be people of your word who remember those promises and look forward to a certain hope that we have in your return. In Jesus' name, amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.